Good evening, everybody. It is Jay Scott. Welcome back to the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Once again, I hope everybody's staying healthy, staying safe, and trying to enjoy the last weeks of summer, if there is such a thing. Everything kind of runs together these days. There's been no markers throughout the year for you to find time and when things happen. I know I've had conversations with people where I'm like, did that happen last year or was that this year? And Still haven't been able to figure out. I have that, I have those moments like once or twice a week where I'm trying to figure out if that was 2019 or 2020. Because normally we have markers throughout the year, whether it's a birthday, a vacation, where we determine time, right? We determine when things happen because based on things and activities that we've done throughout the year. And not too many people are going on vacation. If they are, it's kind of local or maybe, you know, within... You know, a couple hours driving distance, people are being very careful. There's no sporting events. There's no live concerts. So it's really difficult because it feels like all the days are merging together. But nonetheless, we're here for you. We'll continue to be here for you during these times. Talking rock music, rock and roll discussions has been a passion of mine since I was in high school because I just love talking about rock and I love hearing other people's opinion and where their music and love for rock music comes from. Our next guest is from Philadelphia. I'd like to welcome in the host of Metal from the Inside podcast. She also has a great website. and well, She'll be definitely plugging the website and all that she does. I'd like to welcome in Sydney Taylor. What's going on, Sydney? How are you? Hey, Jay. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm doing well. How about yourself? You know, just getting by, you know, I mean, we're here in Chicago, things are kind of turning around in the wrong way, so we're kind of all holding our breath that we don't have to go under another lockdown like we did in March, but we're just going about our days, hoping and keeping our fingers crossed that that doesn't happen and the numbers go back down, but you never know in these times. Yeah, it's the uh, same here in Philly, um, we're finally getting to a point where they might be allowing a little bit of inside dining. But at this point, like you said, you never know. I uh, have my fingers crossed that it continues to get a little bit better and uh, doesn't go the other way, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to be an interesting fall with everything going on. Um, the one thing that is missing is live music, and it's such a disappointment that this year pretty much has been postponed it feels like it's one big postponement into 2021 and you know based on 2021 we don't even know if that's going to be available I know there's been some outdoor festivals I know I just had George Lynch on the other day he talked about playing Sturgis and you know there'll be pockets of festivals and maybe some things pop up here and there but if there's any consistency or tours like we know of them in the past I don't know if that's going to happen yeah, I always say uh, this year I went from having so many different concerts to choose from, almost too many to choose from in January. I remember looking at the schedule of all the shows I wanted to go to and thinking, how am I going to be able to go to all of these? Um, and it went from that to, obviously we all know how that went, to a shockingly no concerts to go to. Um, so it's definitely been disappointing. But I am going to be attending a Steel Panther drive-in show next month. So I'm curious to see how that experience is, you know, the socially distanced 
uh, drive in, you know, you go uh, with a car and everything like that. So I haven't been to one of those yet. So I'm curious to see how that experience is. But I've talked to um, some fellow music fans who have gone to drive and shows and what I've heard is sadly, you know, just not the same energy that, you know, a lot of us crave at live shows. So it's, of course, disappointing, but um, I have my fingers crossed, hopefully for maybe summer of next year, um, if we could get there. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that is, too. You definitely have to let me know on how that experience was, you know, with the drive-in concerts, because like you said, I can't imagine the energy. And energy is so important to a live show. I just can't imagine, you know, what that's like and, you know, how people will feel about it. I don't know if it's the wave of the future. It very well could be, you know, depending on how long this goes on and how comfortable people are, you know. Um, But that's interesting. I mean, I was in the same boat with you as well. I mean, I was looking at the forecast of tours this year, and I was excited about a lot of different things happening. I was excited about a lot of different albums. I thought this year was going to be a huge year for rock music. And, of course, we know that's just not the case. Yeah, it's, it's disappointing for sure. But like you said, I'm, I'm curious to see how the drive-in show goes. I can't imagine it will be anywhere near the same. But I'm staying hopeful. You know, I, I want to support the bands that are out there doing what they can out Steel Panther, I know a lot of people um, are either love them or hate them, but um, I've been a fan for a couple of years, so uh, they've been doing a lot during the quarantine um, and everything that's been going on, so you know, they're playing up Granite, which is only like two hours away from me, so I thought I might as well go and support, and uh, I will, of course, let you know how that ends up going and uh, what the whole energy and vibe is that. That's great. Look forward to hearing your experience uh, and to what it was like. So, But like we always do, the first time we have a first-time guest on the podcast, we always ask the same first question. I think I've asked a few questions already, but nonetheless, it's the essence of our show, which is like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a band, a performance, a song, or album. What hooked you on rock and roll? So... I grew up listening to pretty much uh, every rock band under the sun. Um, I'm only 20. I'm turning 21 in a couple months. So I grew up listening to Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, um, The Beatles, everything from 60s rock bands to rock bands from the 90s and even modern day bands. Um, And when I was younger, it was pretty much just the soundtrack of my childhood. I listened to everything. Um, but as I got older, I kind of developed my own love for it. But the most defining moment that I would say was what really got me hooked on rock music was when I was about, I want to say, nine years old, my dad went to go see Alice Cooper. Um, he went with my godfather, who is his best friend, and they go to rock shows constantly. And when I was younger, they were kind of concert buddies and would go all the time. And we went to go see Alice Cooper, and I remember... I woke up the next morning, and I can still see this moment very vividly. I was sitting at the dining room table, and my dad came up to me, and he gave me um, some beads that Alice had thrown out in the crowd. Um, And for those of you who are familiar with Alice Cooper's live show, um, during Dirty Diamond, he usually throws out some beads. He used to do that um, in some of the earlier tours he did. 
And if you were lucky enough to catch one, you know, Alice is all about the theatrics. So he would throw out the beads. And my dad caught a pair and he gave them to me the next morning. And I don't know what intrigued me so much, whether it was the fact that someone on a stage had them and now they were mine or whatever the catalyst was in my brain that really got me hooked. But from that moment on, I loved Alice Cooper. I was everything Alice Cooper. I watched every concert. I listened to every album. Um, I saw him in concert and had actually gotten to see him like a year or two later. So that was the major catalyst uh, for when I was younger. And that kind of just went on as I got older. I delved into more rock bands. I got really, really deep into Alice's catalog. He was the first band that I ever really knew every detail about, you know, from the original band to his solo years to the new lineup he's had over the years from like the late uh, 90s to now. Um, and I kind of dived into other rock bands, you know, the origins of you know, Black Sabbath, and I got really into the eight metal. So he was definitely the catalyst and still remains my number one band um, and artist to this day. He's a great artist. I mean, he's got some great material. I mean, like you mentioned, you know, his newer stuff into the stuff in the 80s and early 90s. And then, of course, you know, the stuff from the 70s, which, you know, still stands the test of time, still sounds great today, whether it's, you know, Billion Dollar Babies or 18. Um, he's just, you know, a, a, a incredible artist and someone that, is one of the, the, the grandfathers of hard rock music. You know, I mean, when you talk about Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath, you know, people also mention Deep Purple as well. And sometimes they forget about Alice Cooper and what he meant to the genre and certainly had a huge impact and a huge influence on a lot of musicians. Oh, for sure. And I think I connected a lot with Alice Cooper too while I was growing up because, uh, like I said, I'm only 20, so... When I was loving all this type of music, my peers certainly were very confused as to why I was so big into, you know, this quote-unquote older music or, you know, et cetera, however they wanted to describe it. So when I was growing up and listening to Alice Cooper and, you know, Dawkins, one of uh, my all-time favorite bands, series, like, they're right behind Alice. So I was listening to all these different bands and talking about them with my teachers and, you know, Alice was the outcast of rock and roll, you know, when he was famous. It was, or at the peak of his career, I should say. Um, he was the outcast of rock and roll. He would clear rooms before, you know, he, he ended up getting, um, you know, they got their big break. So I loved relating to that because I always felt like I was kind of the outcast a little bit of my peers and just the groups when I was um, in high school and everything like that. So I feel like for so many Alice's as well, they can kind of relate to that kind of sentiment. And um, even he said that he was like the the role model um, for the outcast of rock and roll, pretty much. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I mean, I think I think rock and roll is made up of outcasts. You know, when you think about it, and you hear the story of the musicians that are in bands or the musicians that are performing to the fans. I think there's a. I think that's why rock bands are so loyal to the genre because there is that connection of being somewhat an outcast and being somewhat of against the grain. And I hope the next generation, I have, I have a 15 year old son who has a very similar story as yours. 
you know, he grew up listening to rock music, you know, because he'd hear me play it in the car. His first concert was a Butch Walker concert, um, who he just still loves today. Butch Walker, of course, of the band South Gang in the early 90s and Marvelous 3. Now he's a big-time producer, and he also has a great solo catalog as well. So I took him to see that. He was five years old when I took him to see Butch Walker. And then it just kind of snowballed into taking him to see Iron Maiden and Metallica and Ace Freely and all these concerts. And he's going to school with rock t-shirts on in seventh and eighth grade, you know, cheap trick, Kiss shirts, Iron Maiden shirts. And, you know, I remember he wore a Motorhead shirt to school and he came home. He's like, Dad, Dad, everybody thinks I worship the devil, you know? And... (laughs) You know, so, but as he's gotten older, now he's a sophomore in high school, some of his friends are starting to come around and listen to that music. So maybe he's the catalyst for all these other kids in terms of listening to music. Maybe they're discovering on their own. I guess, you know, with you being 20 years old, you, you know, we all know the, the biggest, you know, genres in music are hip hop and pop music and country, but what does it feel like being kind of like on that island where, you know, you are listening to rock music and your friends really aren't and they're looking at you, you know, with the raised eyebrow, like, what is she doing? What's that like for you? Um, when I was younger and like I said, when I was in high school, I think at first it was very disheartening at first. I was very kind of like, this sucks. Like, you know, nobody really understands or, you know, really knows about it. Um, and at first it was kind of, uh, an upsetting thing because if you're that age, I think the first thing you're really concerned about is wanting to maybe not fit in per se, but, you know, have friends and have like a social group. Um, so at first it was a little bit upsetting. Um, but I think as I went through the process, I really started to own that kind of personality and that, um, energy I gave off of loving that type of music and it's funny that you said that about your son because uh, you know at other points you know I would just I would really own that I'd wear jewelry with like pentagrams on it like leather vests and Alice Cooper shirts and it became um, sort of a a proud flag that I, I held um, at school and even you know in my early stages of college as well and even to this day it went from being something that was kind of sad to not have people relate to me in, in school and um, just in my local town where I grew up um, to something that I was really, really proud of. Um, and I feel like that has uh, stretched far and wide to many rock fans. Um, I remember even watching the documentary, I just rewatched it the other day, that Sam Dunn did, uh, that was Metal Evolution, that was like the very first metal documentary that uh, I think was put out recently, it was like 2007 or something like that. Um, and there was a young girl who I think was like 14 who said the same thing. It's become a, a proud flag to hold and to kind of carry. Um, and even to this day, it kind of makes me a little bit more unique than the, the average person my age. It makes me kind of stand out in people's memories. So it's, it's something that I've definitely become more proud of over the years. And it's gotten me a lot of opportunities and uh, just helped me make a lot of connections with different people as well. One of my proudest moments as a father, uh, my son was buried in his phone like most teenagers are these days. And he just, he wouldn't move for like an hour. And I'm like, what are you, what are you watching? He's like, oh, I'm watching Van Halen in the U.S. Festival from 1983. And I'm like, 
right on. You know, <laughs> like, you, know, you can keep watching that. Yeah, no worries. Go ahead. That's, that's, that's family entertainment. Um, but I guess the question, cause I've had this discussion a lot on this podcast and you mentioned Alice Cooper and you mentioned Black Sabbath and you mentioned the, the music that you grow up with, which is largely considered classic rock. What are some of the new bands that you listen to? Are you interested in the newer stuff? You know, how, how does that connect with you? Because right now rock and roll is struggling with relevance. And part of the reason why it's struggling is because there's a lot of big fish in rock and roll. You know, your ACDCs, your Motley Crues, your Foo Fighters, and all those bands that can play stadiums and draw big crowds. And then there's like this big drop off into like the bands that can fill a small club, a small theater, newer bands that are just coming out. So when all these classic rock bands are gone, which will be within the next decade, sadly to say. I mean, I don't see the Rolling Stones playing in 2030. I don't see right. Metallica playing in 2030 because it's you know, rock and roll is such a physical part of it. So for the younger generation, the younger demographic that you are in, how are you connecting with new music, if at all? Um, yeah, so I definitely thought a lot over the years. Um, even just recently, we've lost a lot of, you know, musicians and the heavy metal genre, and it's definitely been this looming cloud um, over me. Uh, you know, even just, you know, not bands just ending, but people passing away. And there's obviously, like you said, a definite end that's going to be coming to this much sooner than a lot of us think. Um, but the way I, I try to connect with newer bands is I, I stay very aware. Um, there's a radio station here in Philadelphia that I'm very lucky to have that's called um, WMMR, and they pretty much cover everything from the old school bands to bands that are brand new, and that's just one outlet that I use to kind of stay aware, you know, other than social media, but I would say some bands that I really, really love that are newer are bands like Distress and Dirty Honey, um, even Greta Van Fleet, which I'm not the biggest fan of, but I, I do appreciate what they do in the industry and what they've done for kind of bringing rock a little bit back into more of a useful, like, mainstream kind of light. Uh, but I look at bands like The Struts, per se, and I love them for the reason that they are modern, yet you could look at The Struts and they could have existed um, alongside bands like Sweet in the 70s. You know, they have that kind of old, cool yet modern vibe that they're bringing to the year 2020 and a band like them is so still in their infancy um they only have released two albums i'm gonna look at bands like hailstorm who um have been around for a little bit now but are still pretty young and are kind of carrying the flag a bit of the old school kind of sound um you know people like lizzie hale who is very open about being a fan of the older music um so i think Personally, I feel like we're at a place right now where we are seeing a little bit more fans coming to fruition um, and coming to light than we have before. Um, you know, I think of, like I said, Dirty Honey um, and even other, like, last bands that I've heard that have come out of the press release like Hazard, which is kind of a great thrash metal band that has a very kind of old-school vibe. Um, so I, I really do think that there's a lot of great bands that are coming out it's just continuing to give them a platform and support them i feel like you said that there's a lot of just getting stuck in the past a little bit and believe me i love i love my classic records i love listening to 
Van Halen one and, you know, uh, Master of Reality and my Alice Cooper records. And they will always, you know, reign supreme in, in the rock and metal world in my eyes. But you have to be able to give these newer bands a chance because it's, you know, they're the ones that are going to be carrying this music on for years and years. You know, you look at bands, uh, you know, like the Foo Fighters, which I think are kind of like the next, you know, leg of like rock royalty after these kind of classic bands, you know, end up ending. You know, you have the Foo Fighters and you kind of look around and it's like, well, who else? You know, maybe Metallica will continue a little bit longer past, you know, the Rolling Stones and, you know, et cetera. But you have to start looking at these newer bands and giving them a chance and buying the records and going to their shows. And, you know, it's just something that I think rock fans have to get a little bit more involved in. But I think we have a lot of exciting, um, you know, bands on their way to something big. I agree. I, I love listening to the new rock stuff. I mean, I, I think that's why I'm such a fan of rock music. If I, at the age of 45, decided to just kind of pack it in, select about a handful of bands that I grew up with listening to, and then just listen to that over and over again, life would be boring. And as much right. as I like the, the stuff, I mean, my, my, my favorite band of all time is Led Zeppelin, you know, I love Van Halen, I love Rush, I love all the bands that I grew up with. If I just listened to them, if I just became my own classic rock station and listened to the same bands and the same songs over and over again, I would. I think I would lose my joy for the genre. Whereas when I listen to new artists and new bands, it keeps the juice flowing. It keeps like the interest there. It's like, wow, this is a really good new band. This is a really good new album by this artist. A lot of times, too, the classic rock fan will not even know a band from their past or a band that they used to listen to is still active and still releasing new music. And you have the power of Google at your fingertips, and you can look up anything you want at any point, any time of day, and you can find out that this band or that band is still making music and just released an album last year or whatever. So that's frustrating. The classic rock fan, I mean, there's... There's a you know maybe a, a small percentage of us like myself that still wants to hear the new rock, but in large part the classic rock fan is a ship that has sailed, where they're content with just listening to what they know. A lot of them feel that nothing new has been good since 1993. Um, you know they kind of live in their bubble, but that's okay. You know, they're getting older. They're becoming the demographic that does become set in their ways. It's the younger generation that I'm fearful that rock is not adapting enough to connect with people. You know, you see pop music, you see hip-hop, very popular in the younger generation, you know, in high school, junior high. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but I just think that rock music relies so much on a physical connection whereas when you get the album you look at the album cover and the liner notes and that's all important where they haven't figured out how to have that experience come through on someone's phone or in their social media or whatever and I think that they need they need to really figure it out or it's just going to fall further and further down the down the road of irrelevancy yeah, I think nowadays, too, live music is such an important part of that whole experience, which is why 2020 has just been so disappointing, is because 
you look at it nowadays um, at like for somebody like me who is really into the old school stuff um, you know what I mean that's kind of where I got my basis you know I buy records I buy vinyls I you know look at the vinyl you know notes and I look at the artwork and I hold it in my hand but um, to be realistic a lot of people in my age group and just in this generation don't really do that they hear you on Spotify on a playlist or they you know see you're playing somewhere near them and they go it's that's kind of where we're at right now which is sadly disappointing um, because I feel like you know records used to be such a giant part of this whole industry and holding something in your hand and you know now now that's kind of faded and live shows are really where I feel like bands really start to make it when people start coming out to the live shows and they get on the tour. Um, I like to go back to the band like the Struts just because they're so easy to speak about because I really do feel like they're doing pretty much everything right at the moment. But, you know, they're a band that really has a live performance that blows you away. I remember I saw them for the first time and I left that show and I went, holy crap, these, these guys are amazing. Um, and I think that that's really what it boils down to now about, you know, kind of catching these newer fans um, for these newer bands. It's, you know, sadly, the old model of releasing a record and selling, you know, selling these records really isn't working anymore. And I hope maybe one day we can get back to that because I feel like the art of purchasing a record is something that's so lost nowadays. It's also just such a precious thing. But I think that live music is just so important. And I think that it's really, really right now just kind of killing a lot of fans and kind of, you know, having a lot of different newer artists struggle because they kind of don't have that outlet at the moment. Yeah, I I think that's 100% accurate. You know, you mentioned the Struts, and I've seen them live too. I saw them in Madison, gosh, about two years ago, maybe a little longer than that, and it was a small club. It was about 250 capacity club, and I felt like the guy was playing a stadium because he had the crowd in the palm of his hand. He was the rock star that is missing from rock and roll right now. And I think that's really a key part of the legacy. We talked about Alice Cooper when we first started this conversation. We talked about Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and all these bands. And I've seen the bands that you've talked to on your podcast and on your website, on your blog. Those are all rock stars. Those, they, they identify as a rock star. And you can say, well, what defines a rock star? People have different meanings. It doesn't mean, you know, shooting heroin or cooking a spoon or, or whatever. It means being that person that you can't take your eyes off of, that you want to know more about, that you want to hear what they have to say. And when I was growing up, whether it was David Lee Roth, whether it was Vince Neil, Blackie Lawless from Wasp, Joe Elliott, whoever it was, they were rock stars. So whenever they came on the TV, everything was silent, and you wanted to hear what they had to say because they had a presence. And I think after the 90s, the early part of the 90s, that kind of went away for a while. Things got really serious. And now, because my, my, I asked, I've asked my son the same question, like, why don't your friends listen to rock music? Why is it hip-hop? And it's just, it's, it's like I was when, when, when I was his age. The parents don't want them to listen to hip-hop. And they look at rock music as dad's music. Because there's, yeah. because there's, there's a lack of personalities in rock. And I think there's some good ones. I mean, you mentioned the struts, Luke Spiller. 
Uh, Tyler Bryant has a great stage presence, who's just an absolute yeah. phenomenal guitar player. The guy from South of Eden, who's a new band out of Columbus. The guy from Joyous Wolf, Mark LaBelle. Um, Nick Reese from Joyous Wolf, and then Ehab Amran from South of Eden. And there's plenty more. I mean, Dorothy Martin from the band Dorothy has a great presence. I've seen her live. So I think they're out there. I think they just got to figure out how to get in front of that younger generation that relies on that, I don't want you listening to that kind of mentality because I know when my parents told me not to listen to something, it meant I had to listen to it. And I had to, you know, smuggle stuff into my house in order to listen to it, like Ozzy Osbourne or Maiden or whatever. But I think that's a huge thing that's missing for the connection to that younger generation where, you know, they're feeling the angst of being a teenager and they want that connection with whatever music they have. And I don't know why, and I've said this before on my podcast, I don't know why rock and roll has gone away from that. I don't know why rock and roll stopped being rock and roll. I don't know. It's, it's funny. I see a, a ton of these bands that I feel like a lot of the younger generation um, is into. Um, I work at a music venue here in Philly, and I see these bands come through my venue all the time. And it's weird because it's what a lot of, I feel like, this generation defines as rock music. When I, I really... I don't think it could be farther from rock music. It's like this indie alternative like group and they come out and they're all wearing t shirts and jeans. And not saying you have to go out and, and you know, dress like, you know, Rob Halford, but there's it's just I feel like everybody's the same. Um and I think kind of like the design of rock is it's not like that. You know what I mean? Um Robert Plant was different from David Lee Roth, and David Lee Roth was different from Alice Cooper, and Paul Stanley was different than, you know, I don't know, name any other front man. Um, there was something distinct about each group. You know, each group had a specific sound and a specific stage presence and a specific live show, and, you know, it was it was a distinct thing that each band had. You, were, you weren't going to get what you got at a kiss show that you got at a Van Halen show. And I feel like that's something that's kind of been lost in these in these um, newer bands that a lot of my younger generation likes to define as rock that I don't think is rock at all. You know, I see people my age who go to like a <laughs> like an, an indie alternative show and like talk about like doing a mosh pit. And I'm like, you guys don't even know what a mosh pit is. <laughs> you know, a completely different thing than I feel like rock used to be. And I think that like you said, it's just trying to get get that back you know, with bands like the struts and, you know, whatever. Um, it seems right now it's more of a, a kind of a classic rock resurgence, if that makes sense. You know, classic rock really isn't like a specific like sound or genre like that, but, you know, you look at the struts and Great Event Fleet and Dirty Honey and they all have that kind of sound and vibe that the early 70s bands had. So it makes me wonder if we'll eventually start to see a little bit of a resurgence of heavier stuff like a new Iron Maiden or a new you know Black Sabbath or a new um, you know whatever 80s band a new Motley Crue something of that sort I mean I even know that there is some bands in Sweden and things like that that are kind of bringing back an 80s metal resurgence too um, I really would love to see them kind of get a little bit more of a push you know bands like Crazy Licks and Crash Diet um, 
you know, Reckless Love, bands like that, I would really love to see get a little bit of an extra push. But um, I think that there there is some kind of disconnect between uh, the the younger fans um, and just what is considered new rock music. And I don't know if it's because they they haven't been fans, so it's hard for them to connect. Um, you know, I luckily grew up with this music, so it's fairly easy for me to, you know, get into these newer bands um, because I, I've grown up with the style of music so much. I really, I would love to know what the, the disconnect is and, you know, how it could kind of be fixed. Yeah, I don't know where the disconnect is either. I think it's a lot of things. I think there's a lot of different circumstances as to why it's not it's not connecting. I think, you know, rock and roll did go through a period, you know, in the late 90s and the early 2000s where it kind of lost its direction. It kind of became very cookie-cutter, you know, with bands like Third Eye Blind and Smash Mouth and all these different other bands coming out that they really didn't have any identifiable person in the band or it wasn't it didn't seem real it didn't seem authentic it just seemed very you know so I think you know whenever they refer to a sports team as having a couple of bad drafts I think we had a couple of bad drafts in rock (laughs) and roll you know in in that in that time frame there was still good stuff coming out um and not to say that there wasn't but the stuff that was getting all the publicity and all the recognition really wasn't something that had a long-lasting effect on someone. Like when I was growing up with Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, all that stuff that was coming out, like, you know, it was just like, it was so powerful. And the imagery and all the the, the, the presentation of it, where it became more of almost like the anti-rock star. And I think that obviously started with grunge. You also mentioned like indie rock and stuff. And, I, and I'm a big fan of that genre. I love stuff like Pete Yorn and Lucero and, and a lot of those singer-songwriters from that genre. But it is what it is. It's not, I don't consider that hard rock music. I don't consider that, you know, full-fledged, you know, the music like I, you know, that I've listened to through decades. Yeah. I have an appreciation for it. I've seen a lot of those bands in concert, and I'll go see them. I'll continue to go see them. But as far as rock and roll goes, no. You know, I mean, I mean, it's it's just, it's different. And... You know, like when I think of a band like Weezer, I don't have any issue with a band like Weezer. You know, I mean, I, there's a couple songs that I like. I know I have friends that really like them, but no one is picking up a guitar because of the lead guitarist in Weezer, like they did with Eddie Van Halen, right? Or they did with Joe Perry, or they did with Ace Frehley, or whatever it was, or whoever it was. You know, I'm not saying he's a bad guitar player. I'm just saying he's not a guitar hero. He's not like one of those guys that's like, oh my god, like. I remember when I first heard Eruption through the headphones at, you know, I think I was eight years old. I was like, what in the hell is this? You know, like, what, what am I listening to? How is he doing that? I like, couldn't stop listening to it. I don't, people were larger than life. You know what I mean? There were, there were people that you couldn't, you couldn't even like think of in your head. They were people that didn't even seem like real people. And I mean, I don't think that, that, that means that you have to be that way to be, um, rock stars and they were sad, but you know you look at yeah you said Eddie Van Halen you look at David Lee Roth you look at uh, Gene Simmons even you know the, the, the whole Kiss personas and things like that they were these larger than life personalities that they were they exuded confidence you know what I mean to a certain extent it was a it was a persona rather than just 
hey, this is me. I'm going to get up and sing the song. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it was a, it was a whole persona thing that, that existed back then. Um, and, you know, like with people like Luke Stiller, I think it's, he's kind of on the right track of, of getting that back. But, you know, I think that that's, that's what's missing. It's this personality and this um, confidence and, and style. And, you know, that's, that's what's missing right now that I feel like rock music really needs to find. Yeah, and I think of the the movie The Dirt. You know, my son has seen it. His friends have seen it. It's like the Fast Times at Ridgemont High of their generation. I've mentioned this before. Look at the demo. Like, there was an article in Forbes magazine about who was buying Motley Crue's music and merchandise prior to that movie, and it was all over the age of 35. After that movie came out, the people that are buying their music and merchandise are 18 to 25. So yeah. they were able to reconnect with a younger generation primarily because of the movie and the single that they had. But what did that movie show? It showed them being, obviously it showed their struggles and it showed a lot of pain with each member of the band. And that's kind of like the undertone that really has never been discussed with Motley Crue is all the issues that each member had. But it was a chaotic, larger-than-life experience. And these guys were just off the hook. They were just, they were like not in the, in the stratosphere. And, you know, when you're 15 years old now and you're used to seeing and hearing people that have to be politically correct, they're afraid they're going to upset half their audience if they say this, if they say that. And just for them to see that, which they've never seen before. A lot of these, you know, young kids in high school have never seen anything like that or experienced anything like that. And they watch the movie The Dirt. That's why... Most young boys in high school are huge fans of Motley Crue because it was just like, dude, did you see that movie? That was intense. That was great. Like, where did that come from? That never happens now. And that's why. So it goes to what we were just talking about, being larger than life, having that distinct personality, having that personality you know, or that presence that people can't take their eyes off, especially the younger generation. We, you know, I've talked right. about hip hop embracing the rock and roll lifestyle. You know, I mean, with all the private planes and the videos that show them with all the stuff and, and, and whatnot, rock and roll doesn't do that anymore. They don't embrace the rock and roll lifestyle. And like I said, you don't have to be a heroin addict. You don't have to, you know, do all crazy stuff. But if you are like the Daily Roth, like the Motley Crues, like the Rats, like the Guns N' Roses, people are going, young people are going to stop and try to connect with you. You mentioned how Ace or Alice Cooper connected with you. The larger than life, the stage presence, the, you know, the presentation of what he was doing up there, how it just, it, there are probably still distinct memories of that time you saw him and every other time you've, you've, you've seen him. That's what it's all about. That's what rock and roll, that's what part of rock and roll is all about, is that presentation, that angst, that rock and roll presence. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. So what when you uh, listen to music, you mentioned you buy vinyl, you buy CDs. You know, obviously streaming is so big right now. Do you stream? Do you have a streaming service? Or you still, or do you buy the physical copy of the music? Yeah, I would be lying if I said I didn't stream your music. I, I do. It's it's a convenient way to to listen on the go, whether I'm walking to work or on the train to, you know, wherever, um, it's a convenient way to do it. But 
Um, I really do like to support the bands when I can. It's, you know, important, especially now and what's going on to be able to do that. And even before the craziness of 2020 happened, um, you know, it's no surprise that the, the industry has definitely changed over the years and the buying of records is something that, you know, bands don't rely on that anymore to make um, a living or have an income. It's, it's not records anymore. It's definitely changed. But it's still uh, a, a form of, of income that they can receive. Uh, and I really love to support the bands when I can. And I'm also just a big physical copy person. I, I love listening to music in any form. And like I said, I do stream. I do enjoy listening to music that way because it's convenient. But I am a big physical copy person. I had a conversation the other night with somebody I was interviewing, and we talked about this. Um, with vinyl, uh, you know, I think about the older records that I have from, you know, the older bands we talked about. And for bands, especially like that, um, at least when it comes to vinyl, I love getting the original copies of those records because that was how the music was meant to be played. And in 1972, when Alice Cooper released Tools Out, that was how you listen to that record. It wasn't on a CD. It wasn't on a, you know, digital file. It was pressed on vinyl and that's the way it was to it that's the way it was made um and i really appreciate that you know art and the fact that that was such a big part of music history at that point and you know now it's a little bit different because yes a lot of music is made digitally and whatever but you know uh great album that just came out uh in january that i love um, is the dirty shirley record i just had george once on the podcast um love that record so, you know, I, I made sure to get the vinyl and, you know, I, I love doing stuff like that, supporting what I can, um, you know, of these bands, especially that, you know, work really hard. And I know, you know, don't have these live shows right now to back them up. So, you know, I really do prefer physical, but, you know, streaming, of course, is just a part of the industry now. Uh, but I definitely don't just use that as my only form of listening for sure. Do you think that there's too many platforms? And when we think about streaming, we think about obviously Spotify and Pandora, and now Apple has their streaming service, and there's others as well. And we also have YouTube, and we have, you know, different ways, you know, people can get their music out. Do you think that there's too much where people kind of just get like, you know, this is like, this is so confusing? There definitely is too many, and I will forever be frustrated about the lack of payment. Um, the artists from these services, you know, Spotify specifically, it's it's very infuriating. I've done so much research and, you know, looked at so many stats regarding the payout to artists from services like that. It'll never frustrate me, but there, there are just too, too many options, and I feel like everybody's coming out with something new every day. You know, it's, it's already this complex thing, and you know, artists now have to make sure that their music is available on XYZ because only a certain amount of listeners are listening on Apple Music and another amount of listeners are listening on Amazon and another amount of listeners are listening on Spotify. And it's, it's definitely this huge thing that I think could probably just be content down to one thing if it has to exist at all, you know? Um, but yeah, I will, I will forever be annoyed about the payout to artists because I think it's just, you know, quite honestly, BS. I really, I really think that you know these companies can 
definitely afford, you know, billion dollar companies, you know, yeah, Amazon, Music, you know, Jeff Bezos can definitely afford to pay out a little bit more to artists. It's, it's really frustrating, but I would, I would say that there is too many, uh, on the market to choose from for sure. Yeah, it's frustrating as well when you know how hard these bands and these musicians work to put out music, you know, only to see, you know, pennies, if pennies on the dollar, you know, I mean, it's not even a penny. And it's, you know, when you have the arrogance of these streaming services, you know, whether it's Spotify or Apple, that really are almost anti-musician when you think about it. You know, they give musicians a platform to put their music on. And that's great. That's wonderful. But... You know, we were he- we heard for a long time as a result of Napster how it was going to wreck, you know, the music industry. Well, the music industry is doing fine. You, the, the business is, it has reoccurring revenue from these subscribers every month. They're not going away. They're making a ton of dough. I mean, Spotify was able to pay Joe Rogan millions of dollars to exclusively be on their platform. Where do you think that money came from? So when they, compl- yeah. you know, when they complained decades ago, it's always been, you know, the music industry plays the victim, but the real victims are the musicians and the bands that now have to tour. And I guess the positive thing is for a rock fan is that bands come a lot around more frequently. They're releasing music more frequently. So that's a good thing. But at the same time, it's very hard, you know, for them to, you know, unless you're a big fish or unless you have some some money coming in through different different ways, it's very hard to maintain that. You have to constantly be touring. And, you know, like some of these younger bands that were ready and poised to take over in 2020 had to pause. And a lot of them, you know, had to go back to work, you know, because they got to pay the bills because a lot of these bands are not in a position where they can sit on their duff because of an advance or not worry about money because they, you know, can sell their music here. Or the rights to music is played here. A lot of those new bands don't have that. And, yeah. you know, that's part of the frustration with the fan is because a lot of the fans have turned their back on rock and roll. And I get tired whenever I post new music and I get the, well, I, I've never, I don't know how to find new music. And there's plenty of, pages like myself on social media that post new music all the time. All you got to do is press click and it'll play it. And yet people just, I mean, if they're on Twitter, I would like to think that they have the ability to figure out how to click on a link to play the music. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you've gotten this far. So why, (laughs) you know, why are you not going farther? I just don't understand. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's just a different landscape, but I just think that I agree with some of the people that say rock and roll is going to come out with a rage when this pandemic is over. My only fear is that they won't have any place to play because a lot of these smaller theaters and clubs are not going to make it. So that's the next hurdle. So if all this rock music comes out, you know, on the same side, if it does come out and it becomes successful and it does blow up and people start listening to rock and roll music again, I guess people will find places to play, right? If it's that popular. But I still worry about it. Yeah, I mean, I I really am hopeful for the future of rock music. I'm not sure, I always think about this, I'm not sure if you've ever seen, I'm sure you have, the movie Almost Famous. Yes. Um, and 
there's a scene in that movie, it's one of my favorite movies of all time, um, and there's a scene in that movie where Lester Ray is talking to William Miller, who is the 15-year-old journalist, and he's giving him advice about writing, and, you know, it takes place, the movie takes place in 1973, um, and he looks at him and goes, you know, rock music is dead, and he goes on this tangent about how he missed the peak of rock and roll, and and the year was 1973. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think about that a lot because I feel like um, the people who say rock music is dead or, you know, it's not coming back or it's never going to be mainstream again or, or whatever they have to say about it. You know, I always think about that quote because it was 1973 and Lester Banks had no idea, you know, the, the amount of music that was going to be, you know, coming out in the next 15, 20 years. Um, and I feel like right now we're at such a point where I don't think I've ever even felt more hopeful than I have before uh, seeing all of these newer bands that are you know, starting to touch the, the mainstream light and these fans that are attracted to pop and, you know, aren't typically attracted to rock. Um, I'm seeing become attracted to bands like Disgust and Greta Van Fleet, you know, et cetera. And if we could just continue down that road and, you know, get these, people invested in other new bands that are coming out and you know like you said once this happens you know this is over and we go to shows and you know kind of continue down that road i really think that we will reach a point to where you know rock will be much bigger again you know things like this go through highs and lows you know valleys and peaks uh, and you know rock and roll has definitely been at a low for the last you know 20 years but i think right now we really are reaching a point where I'm feeling much more hopeful about the future. And if we could just get past the craziness of 2020 and the craziness of this pandemic, I really think that we're going to be seeing some interesting stuff come to fruition very soon. Yes. Yes. I, I am hopeful as well. And I think there are so many, I mean, we've mentioned a handful of bands, but there's so many more. There really is. I mean, there's a oh, whole, there's so many. yeah, there's a whole scene going on in the UK right now that is just incredible. You know, whether it's a band like Massive Wagons or Doomsday Outlaw, Writers Creed, Takeaway Thieves, Rocket Dolls, whatever. They they've got some bands. Those Damn Crows is another great one. I mean, they've got some bands out there that are just tremendous. And you mentioned Sweden. There's a band called Heat that I totally love. Yeah, that really brings Lucky. right. Yeah, that really brings back that you know, old school 80s type of vibe to it with a kind of a modern sound. There's also a couple bands, too, from the U.S. that kind of have that same type of 80s type of, of vibe to it. There's a band called Kodiak, which Carmen Apice, you know, is helping manage them. So they're a band that to look out for. They've got some really good stuff. And there's also a band called Station that's out in New York City. That yes, is, I love Station as well. They played at M3 a couple times. Yeah, they're a great band. So they've got that vibe too. So I, I think you're right. I think as we see a lot of these blues-based, 70s-style influenced bands come out, these new bands, I also think that, you know, what is next, the bands that were influenced by the Motley Crues and the Poisons and the, and, the, and the Guns N' Roses and all those bands from that era that we knew and loved, I think that's on the horizon too as well. So yeah, I I was mentioning those couple of bands because they're the first thing that comes to my mind. But there's so there really is so many more. And if anybody listening, just look for new music. Just do a quick Google search, and like you said, I swear you will find so many new bands that are just waiting to reach 
reach new heights and, you know, support them. Now is the time to buy merchandise and support them if you can um, so they can continue to make music. Because a lot of times people don't realize that they are relying on that form of income to be able to record. It's not like the old days where you could get a, a record deal um, and a record advance and have $100,000 to make a record. Um, happens very, very, very rarely. So if you can have the, uh, if you have the means right now, please buy some merchandise and check some of the bands out because they, they really, really need the help. Um, and it's going to be what carries this genre on for years to come. Yes. Yes. Amen. You know, I, I think about what it takes to, for these musicians to, you know, become what they become. I think of rival sons, right. And rival sons, people still call them a new rock band and they've been around for 10 years and people discover (laughs) them every day. And they're like, Oh, these guys are great. How come, how come I never heard them before? And it's because they, that person that's saying that refused to listen to anything new. When you refuse to listen to anything new, you're robbing yourself of what could be a great experience for you, a source of joy for you. There's no better time to listen to new rock music than right now during this pandemic. There is no greater yeah, time. You just got to open your mind a little bit and look outside of what you find familiar and really to go for it. There's just so, I can't even express how many new bands there are that have put out great music and even to this day I, you know I'm very active in the scene and you know running my own site and doing my own podcast I, I stay on top of everything and I'm listening to music constantly but even I myself I'm sort of saying for you who does this constantly and is listening to new music constantly I'm still discovering new stuff every single day um, and it's it's constant the, uh, the amount of groups that I'm discovering and new albums that are being released and you know it, it's endless and this is somebody and you as well who who does this constantly you know what I mean is listening to new music and finding new music and talking to musicians all the time um, so I can't even imagine what it must be like for somebody who hasn't been doing that for so long so there's just so many different artists and you know just opportunities to listen to new music out there it's just people opening up their mind a little bit yes I agree I, I've you know that's that's kind of like my my passion as well is to get people to open their minds and listen to new music. You know, we always have complained or a bunch of us have complained for years about, oh, there's no new rock and roll. There's no blues-based rock and roll. Well, now you've got Greta Van Fleet and you've got Dirty Honey, you know, who, who are blues-based rock and roll. Tyler Bryant, you know, great guitar yeah. player, you know, and there's so many other bands too as well. And they're, and they're like, well, Greta Van Fleet sounds too much like Zeppelin or this. And they, they find an excuse to, to not listen. And it's just, just listen. If it's, a, if it's not a band like Greta Van Fleet, it doesn't have to be. But there's other bands out there that you will like. And Yeah, the Underground Thieves is a great band out of Philadelphia. That's a really blues-based rock band. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but Nick Perry, he, he's a front man. He's actually the sister of Christina Perry, who does like, a lot of pop stuff. Um but he has a group called the Underground Thieves, and they play in Philadelphia all the time. Another great blues-based rock band that I absolutely enjoy to, you know, get big as well. That's another thing. Look at your local scene to people who, I mean, I'm lucky I live in a major city, so it's a little bit easier. But there are bands in, in small towns and probably Ohio and <laughs> Utah that are looking for an audience. So it's also just taking a look at your local scene as well. You can support locally and, and uh, you know, support your own community and musicians as well. Yes, yeah, stop going to go see the cover band. 
go see an original yeah. rock band. You know, uh, I, I know it's, it's, it's nice to hear what you know on a Friday night, but step outside your box a little bit and go see a band that you've never heard of and, and see if you like them. You know, you never know what you're going to listen every, to. Every single band any of us love, you know, Alice Cooper started out as being a band no one knew and everybody hated. And, you know, he eventually went on to inspire somebody like myself to love this music. And, and every artist we've ever loved, you know, it started out as nobody knowing them and, you know, waiting for people to take a chance on them. Um, I think that that's something a lot of people forget is that Black Sabbath did not start out being the, you know, makers of heavy metal. They needed support and people to listen to what they were doing. Um, you know, without people taking a chance, you know, there would have been no Black Sabbath or no Led Zeppelin. Um, I think that that's something we have to remember. Uh, even when we love these bands and want to hear what we love and the love the familiarity and the you know warm cozy feeling you get from listening to the older records which believe me i'm a big a big old school person and i love it but you have to remember that these bands would have been nothing without people taking a chance on them um and you have to apply that to these newer groups that are are making their way i agree 100 percent sydney it's been great talking with you what do you got to plug tell us about your website your social media presence so everybody knows where to find you yeah, so uh, I run the site, metalfromtheinside.com. I do, similarly to what my friend Jay here does, I interview some of your favorite musicians on my podcast, which is Metal From The Inside as well. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us at Metal From The Inside on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Um, and if you do want to stay connected with me, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Sydney Anna Taylor and on Twitter at S Taylor Official. I would love to chat new rock and old rock with anybody listening if you'd like to stay connected. And thank you, Jay, for having me on the podcast. It's been a blast to talk about everything rock and metal with you. Well, we'll have to do it again in the future. Oh, for sure. Let me know anytime. Well, Sydney, thank you very much for doing the episode. Once again, everybody, that's Sydney Taylor from Metal from the Inside. Go check out her website. Check out her podcast. Website is well, very well done. Great presentation. I think all rock fans that I know will enjoy it, and the ones I don't know will certainly do as well. Once again, thank you very much for tuning in. This is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 